0: Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is focused on one of the 12 steps of AA. John Glenn taught the steps to the church because Alpha Ministries contends that all people need recovery from something. And the 12 Steps is the best program out there and mostly reflects the idea of discipleship and relationship Jesus had in mind. Enjoy and glean from the messages. Welcome, John and Pam. We're going to just kind of do an overview of Steps 8 through 12. We've listened online and the, the first seven steps are on the podcast, um, John teaching at it Freedom Ranch. So, John, why don't you give us an overview of why you call these steps turning the corner? This
1: is an amazing part of, in, in my way of thinking, probably the most valuable part of the 12 steps. I mean, everything up to this point has been talking about what God does for us, what we can't do for ourselves. You know, it's talking about how we allow Him to get us to be. Clean and sober him to deal with our stinking flesh. how we allow Him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves? But it's important that we understand why God does that. He is not doing that just to make us comfortable, just to make our life more enjoyable. Although it will, it will, in fact, make us more comfortable and enjoyable in time he doesn't do that just to make us enjoyable here on this earth if he wanted to make us comfortable and happy and enjoyable and all that he'd take us on home to heaven you know we're not going to be any more comfortable uh, than we are we'll, we will be in heaven so turning the corner is for a purpose is for a reason and i think god sets us free from all sorts of addictions, all sorts of problems that come with those addictions, for for a purpose, and that purpose is to fulfill our high calling of loving other people like Christ. I mean, that's that's why we're here. You know, when it boils down to, we're not just here to, you know, occupy by space and take up air, you know, we're here for a reason, we're here for a purpose, and now the 12 steps going to address that. As we begin with step eight, we turn the corner and in terms of now our thinking is about other people. It's not all about us. We don't continue the navel gazing, we don't continue worried about ourselves, we don't continue worrying about whether we're okay or not, God has gotten rid of and is managing our character defects so that we are free now to begin to think about others. And that's what hurting the corner means to me. It means now we're able to fulfill our purpose in being here. We're able to, number one, make a list of people that we've hurt, that we've harmed. Number two, follow the personal leadership of the spirit and making amends where possible with those people on that list. So we're talking about relational ministry here in its highest form. And then the last three steps, uh, steps 10, 11, and 12, many people have called the maintenance steps. I see it as an overview of our relational ministry going on because every day we're going to have to Look at ourselves, examine ourselves, and make an inventory again. You know, what is our, what have we done today that might hurt or harm somebody else and allow God to deal with that? Then, step 11, every day, we're going to need to follow His leadership in our life. We're going to need to follow what the Spirit is telling us to do uh, concerning helping others. And obviously, step 12, we're talking about. Uh, being used of God in a very practical way to carry this message to others. So, you know, I see that as a continuing benefit of turning the corner. So that's really what I meant by turning the corner. And I think as we approach these next five steps, we're going, going to see that come to light more and more.
0: Yeah. And John, I remember, I remember when they they had uh, the access to recovery was coming into Florida and there was a lot of meetings and we met a lot of people. And I remember there was a guy, he was the, I guess they called him kind of like the drug czar. He was, he was a Mac something. Do you remember that guy he was a Mac somebody he was for the Florida, state of Florida and we were at a meeting and he asked you, he said, well, what, you know, he was talking about the recivity rate and all the relapse. And he says, what's the major difference? And you pointed to Bernie Castro and um, some of those guys up there, the ex-bank robbers up there from <laughs> that area, and um, Rico Lamberti, God rest his soul, at that point. And you said, these are the guys that, you know, the recovery lasts because they're carrying the message, because they're doing step 12. A lot of people want to stop at 11, just hang out with God. And you said something very key that step 11 involves seeking the personal leadership of how to love other people, right? It's not turning the fans on and just, you know, kumbaya. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: That was was Colonel McDonough and he Uh was a drug czar for Florida at that time. Yeah. Yeah. you know what we were doing was trying to figure out how faith-based organizations could collaborate with the with the uh, treatment centers and that sort of thing, and to point out the power that the faith-based community has. And I think yeah. I'm not sure when I said it, but I think I let them know that AA, the Twelve Steps, was mm-hmm. the original faith-based program. yeah that's and it is a faith-based program there's there's no questions about that so turning that corner and learning to love others like christ that is so important to our recovery every person i've seen that has failed in their recovery at one point or another whether they go on to recover or not that failure can be tracked back to that self-centered thinking again of how they're going to meet their own needs as opposed to knowing their needs are met and trying to help others so yeah you know i, I think it's like a safeguard for us to fulfill our
0: mission and purpose here in life you have to know your your secure identity when you're going to make amends because people could right the, you're you're open you're really making yourself vulnerable to rejection i've heard this all before i mean this the the guys from the the next step center i remember when they talked about going to the people, some of them right. parents who've heard it, heard it before. You know, I've heard this before. You know, but it, you know, it's different now. And and their fear and rejection, they have to know that you know that security in Christ that you're not rejected. You know, God hasn't rejected you. Everyone else can, but you have to know that you're really okay with God because it's 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 scary. I think you know. For me, when I did it, you know, I was I had to go to people that were still stabbing me in the back, but I I hurt them, too. (laughs) You know, so there's a lot there's a lot involved in those steps. Pam.
2: So when it comes to talking about steps eight through 12, I think it is worth noting that in the big book, steps five, six and seven which are extremely important steps, take five pages. When it comes to eight, nine, 10, and 11, it is 25 pages. And when it comes to step 12, it is 14 pages in the big book. Yeah. Okay, so that just gives you sort of a, a general feel for what the founders of the 12 steps considered important. Yeah. Um, and what was not, what was, what needed an explanation, what wasn't just like going to be obvious. Okay. That they, they didn't waste the space just because um, they really felt like it was, it was going to take that kind of explanation. And notably step 12 is called working with others. That's the name of the chapter Uh um, for step 12. So when I look at step eight, my favorite part of step eight is that it is about willingness. And one of my favorite quotes in the big book is found in that step. And it is the proper use of the will is that our proper use of the will is to help us keep our eyes focused on that relationship with God. And it is frequently discussed in meetings that step one through three is about our relationship to God. Steps four through seven is about our relationship with ourselves. And steps eight through 12 is about our relationship with others. Now, the big book on page 77 says that our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and others. I, I personally also like Richard Rohr's take on this, where he says that one of the primary purposes of step nine is to make it easier for other people to love us. He He spends some serious time talking about the imposition that the resentments that we cause takes on other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that step nine is about removing those barriers as far as our part in that goes. Came to believe program. Calls Steps 10, 11, and 12, Living in the Go. And I really like that um, idea of what Steps 10, 11, and 12 are all about. Mm -hmm. That it is about continuing, continuing, continuing to take personal inventory. Um, When we are wrong, promptly admitting it, establishing that Daily discipline, whatever it looks like for the person. And it can, and it goes through several different ideas, most of them from the Oxford group. But what that looks like to, to spend time um, with God every day, to take a personal inventory. It gives us specific directions on what we should do before we go to bed at night and when we get up in the morning. Um, that are directly out of the experience of the Oxford group. Uh, All of it directed towards being able to hear the personal leadership of the Holy Spirit telling us what to do to minister to other people that day. When we're living in the go, that is a huge piece of what we're to be doing. I cannot emphasize, um, we call it co-signing, what John said a minute ago. I have seen it personally in my own life and in the lives of countless others in the 36 years that I've been sobering in 12-step programs. And that is, if they do not turn this corner, uh, what what Richard Rohr calls the geometry of the cross, that in the first steps, we are establishing that personal relationship with God. But in these final steps, we are doing the lateral move of the horizontal part. Of the cross. And I, lo- anybody who knows me, I love pictures because this is all so airy fairy to, you know, abstract. And even if a picture falls short, I really appreciate having it to work with as a place to start um, to get this picture. And I think the geometry of the cross does an excellent job of that. I, um, have seen so many people that come in, they get sober, they do their work, but they do not move into the arena of sponsoring other people. And when you don't do that, basically the picture is the picture of the Dead Sea. And that is that stuff flows in, flows in, flows in, flows in, But if it isn't flowing out, it gets old, it gets stale, it gets stagnant. One of my favorite Joyce Meyer stories is about a woman who told Joyce she had decided that she thought Joyce was losing her anointing because, you know, what she was teaching and saying and stuff, it used to just really ring her chimes, but it really wasn't anymore. And she thought probably Joyce was the problem. And over a period of time, God showed her that, no, the problem wasn't Joyce. The problem was that this person was not letting it flow through her and out to others. And that it was her <laughs> that was becoming stagnant, stale, dead. And, and basically what, what happens to people if they don't make that move to stop. Start sharing with other people, which in the program is done through sponsorship, we get bored. I I figured out one time, and it was a long time ago, that I have attended probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 12-step meetings in the years I've been doing this. Now, do you think I hear something wildly exciting and new on a regular basis? Right. No. Most of the time I can tell you what people are going to say before they open their mouths, and they can do the same for me. That's not what it's about. And when I work with people who don't attend 12 step, sorry, I'm going to preach them now. But when I work with people who don't go to 12 step. They may stay sober, but they never have that jet stream experience of giving it away. And that is, there's, there's no place else that, when I worked in the jail, the girl said, well, I'm just going to go find a good church, you know, me, me, me. and my response to him every time was number one, good luck. But if you do happen to find a good church, let me ask you something. Exactly who in that church are you going to walk up to and say, hey, yo, I'm thinking about shooting heroin today. Can I talk to you for a little while? (laughs) And that experience is what the 12-step program offers. And you don't really find it. I mean, God might give you a divine encounter in publics. I'm not saying that can't happen but to set yourself up for that experience. I said, God knows exactly where I'm going to be because I have a commitment. He knows where I'm going to be. He knows when I'm going to be there. And when he has somebody he wants me to encounter, he knows how to do that. It's not complicated. And I've had so many people come back in the rooms and, and say something like, you were sitting in that same chair when I left here 10 years ago. I said, yep, I sure was. <laughs> and I'll be yeah. sitting in this same chair. If you leave for 10 more years, that is yeah. the only thing that keeps this alive. And that is the spiritual principle of the gospel. Cause if we don't share it, if we don't give it away, granted we'll go to heaven. That's yeah, that, but that's not the issue.
0: I, I feel like some people think 11 and 12 are kind of add-ons or Whoa. appendages or something, you know.
2: Yeah, that's why there's 14 pages on
0: it. Yeah, it is, it is so essential to borrow an analogy. The best defense is a good offense. You know, you go on the offensive, you're looking to love others and help others. I, I think that that turn in the corner is essential. I think the biggest thing for people is they're making themselves vulnerable. And there's always fear of failure, fear of rejection. But once you get a taste of that, you called it the jet stream pam of
2: Oh, of that's Nancy Grimm my mentor. She says it's like being in the jet
0: stream. Yeah, letting it flow through you, being in that divine love response, really? you know. I one of my favorite steps is step 10 because it it simplifies everything for me because when I blow it, I'm like, Oh crap. But step 10 tells you, you're going to blow it <laughs> yeah. when you're wrong, promptly yeah. admit it
2: we're wrong. Not you know, it.
0: And it does involve the first nine steps because you're doing inventory like four and five, and then you realize that, you know, you were, you were trying to run the, own, your own show where it fits in with nine and 10. A lot of, I just had, I had to do a step 10 with, with my wife just a little bit ago. was a little bit rude and I said oh man that was rude and I had to you know go and apologize and uh but it makes things easier makes things very easy so step 10 yeah step 10 helped me to keep from beating up on myself you know with that guilt or perfectionist attitude you know John when you talked about that too reminded me one of your main emphasis since I've known you is turning that corner, is that relational ministry aspect. And you put it right in the Alpha Series. I went to this conference that is probably right right with us every step of the way with as far as the grace message and the new covenant. And they had a a three-day weekend conference. It was beautiful. And what it proved that you were okay, that you were secure in God's plan, significant in his love, that you know you have this security, this new identity in Christ, you're dead to sin, you're alive to God. And it was very telling at the end, they had like a question and answer period. And this guy got up there, he said, this is all great, but what do we do now? Yeah. What do we do now? And I thought, I know the answer to that. I was like, the kid wanted to raise your hand. And I was waiting to see, and the teacher, the guy, he didn't say, well, You're free to love other people. It they didn't go there. It was like, well, you know, you keep listening to messages like these was kind of the answer, you you know. And even and even there was a guy I I remember they, yeah, I remember they brought in a guy. I'm not going to name names. Family Worship Center years ago, they said certain people came and said, John, you got to hear this guy. He's just like you, and you challenged him and told him he was weak on the loving loving one another part. There's that freedom that we have now that really your spiritual life will come alive. If you look at it, I, I can love other people like Christ. Otherwise, like Pam said, you, you get, you know, people, they'll, they'll get bored. Right. But I think the, or the divider, I should say with you, Pam, was that you were looking to love other people, even though you sat in the same chair, didn't hear anything earth shattering. You didn't get bored because you were looking to love others. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not there for anything earth shattering. Yeah.
0: Yes.
1: One of the most exciting things about turning the corner is that when you consider other people and the power of the Spirit is working in you to be Christ to them, it's the most exciting life you can have. I mean, it's the most enjoyable time I've ever had. When working with addicts in particular, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy introducing myself to them and starting, you know, maybe on the twelve steps or the alpha series or something and tell them, listen, I got some good news for you. You're no longer the same persons you've always thought you were, you know, and I mean, I'm thrilled when I can look at Junkie in the face and tell them that's not who you are. Or man, <laughs> when I can, you know, look some look at these people that the world condemns. Um, the religious world, especially condemns, and tell them you're okay. You just don't know you're okay. You know things like that excite me. You know it gives me yeah hope. oh, uh, and you know it excites me to be able to do that with people.
0: So Pam, when you when you talked about sponsoring other people, is that what is kind of the the process? And what if someone's out there and they they've done the steps and they said, well I don't think I'd be a good sponsor. I don't know if I should sponsor anybody or I'm not ready. What is the process for actually sponsoring somebody? Is there any, I guess there's no formula, right?
2: No, there's no formula. But most of the time, people who do that don't have a sponsor. Uh. <laughs> Duh.
0: It wasn't yeah. modeled for them. It wasn't yeah. modeled for
2: them. Exactly. Exactly you cannot give what you do not have.
0: Yeah.
2: Um you know there i have one sponsor who does not sponsor people. She does other service work. I you know she just is not willing to sponsor people. Mm-hmm. And she's been so for a really long time.
0: Yeah. But
2: she you know she's real active in meetings. She does she does other things. And yeah. again that's between her and God. It is not my job as her sponsor to pressure her, right? Getting a sponsee,
0: yeah. Um,
2: but in and I'll just pick on me. I, during the years that I worked at the jail, I that was 15 years I did not sponsor a newcomer during that time. I had it up to my eyeballs with newcomers, okay? I didn't do it, <laughs> yeah. Um, but after I retired from the jail, I still wasn't doing it yeah. And um, when I had, I had sponsees, but they were longer term sobriety people. Well, during COVID, one of my favorite people in the program and a board member for what's in now, we started an online meeting. And we, there was just a group of us, you know, and online just like, okay, and, what do we, and so I said, what are we going to do? And Danielle said, why don't we read the big book? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We started through the big book. And I'll start crying. It changed my life. I, I started sponsoring newcomers again. I started taking them through the big book. And it changed my life when I read the big book with other people. And again, everything in a 12-step program is basically a spiritual principle. And it's it's like, yeah, I, I can sit in my chair right behind me and read my Bible and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine. But there is nothing that can that can challenge the experience of being in a Bible study with other people where you exchange like the, even the panel that, that we were doing last night where we exchange ideas and we talk about things and it makes it living. Yeah, It makes it living. Yeah. There is no other way of having that vital spiritual experience that the big book talks about except in giving it away
0: yeah and it's a it's a program of attraction of attraction and i remember someone was looking for a sponsor and um, i asked i asked bobby hayes about it he's, <laughs> he's he's over here in the aa community for a long time in Stewart area still and is he said, he said if someone's looking for a sponsor tell them As they go to meetings, look for some somebody that has something you want, and go ask them to be your sponsor. You know, and that's kind of the way it was with me. You know, when I was going to the Alpha series, when John was coming over to the Grace Place and other places, there were a lot of people in recovery, and I started hearing about the Twelve Steps. And I saw, I guess you would call them the Twelve Steppers. (laughs) I saw those people. And I, I, there was something that they had that I wanted, and I remember, I, you know, I went to to Billy Precious, and he was willing to go through the big book and sponsor me in that sense. So it was, it was, it was was great, you know. And I've never, I haven't sponsored people like officially, but I, I mean, I, you know, because I, I wasn't drinking or drugging. I was on the other side of it, codependent and you know, lots of dysfunction, but it was just the 12 steps were, were great. And I think just working with others in, in the relational ministry aspect of it is, is like sponsoring other people, looking to love other people, help other people. I guess I've dealt with a lot of religious dysfunction and teaching the Alpha Series was a way that, that really helped me too, because then you'd have a lot of people coming and talking to you afterwards. I'm jump in there, John? But just to recap
1: of my part, you know, it's the most to be Christ to another person, sponsor or whoever, is probably the most exhilarating experience we can have. Yeah. You know, and that's that's why we're here, you know, and, and that completes our meaning and our purpose and being here, you know, and it's exciting to do it. So uh, these next final steps, uh, five steps, eight through 12, are, I think, extremely uh, vital to anybody's recovery in any way.
2: Bill, well, I want to take a couple of minutes just to talk about step nine and the power of step nine. Yes. Um, a lot of people really have a super hard time with step nine. Yeah. And um, probably next to the fourth step, Well, fourth, fifth, and ninth um, steps are are the ones that people really struggle with. And um, if they're able to do it first and third, (laughs) but um, that, that ability to actually make amends to other people and what is involved in making those amends is powerful beyond description. And the big book is extremely clear that you do not do this alone. Um, you know, in the, when I would work with the women in the jail, they would want to write letters of apology to people. And I said, You can write a letter of apology if you want to, but you're not mailing it. And I said, Number one, you don't even know what you need to apologize for. And number two, your primary reason for asking them is so you can get back into some sort of relationship with them to manipulate them and use them later. (laughs) They know it because you've done it before. So that's why it is step nine. It is not step one. It is not step two. It, It takes a long process to be in the place where we're actually capable of recognizing i said when i got sober my my favorite words were i'm sorry i mean i was sorry i was sorry i was sorry i was sorry finally my sponsor said pam everybody knows how sorry you are (laughs) what they want to know is what you're going to do about it yeah and that was it said to me probably 35 years ago. So you can see it made a big impression on me. I, I am not a huge fan of apologizing for anything. The, right. the big book doesn't even use the word. The word is amend. And that means you fix it. Yeah. You fix it. Yeah. And you don't have a freaking clue. Sorry, you can edit that out. How to fix it. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. If
2: you did, you would have done it. Yeah. It, it is a very detailed process not to be entered into inadvisably, or you can do more harm than good knowing a, what you need to make amends for. B, how to make amends for it. C, when your amends is you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And you don't say anything. Uh, it is just, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal step. And one of the, my favorite books on the subject, obviously over and above the big book, is the um, spirituality of imperfection. And in The Spirituality of Imperfection, the authors talk about the power of receiving forgiveness. And it's linked directly to receiving the forgiveness that God gives us through Jesus Christ on the cross. It's the the same spiritual principle using Richard Rohr's analogy of where you go up and down, between you and God yeah. with Jesus, well, step nine is the horizontal bar of the cross. Now you're going to take it and apply it with other people, and they they he talks about not not simply the experience of receiving that through Jesus, which is extremely powerful obviously but my favorite part is that in the spirituality of imperfection he alludes to the reality that i experienced and that is you can experience the love of god forgiving you for things you don't deserve forgiveness for and when you receive that from other people You are in the position to be open to the concept of Jesus. Yeah. Paying that for you. And that's what happened for me. I was sober in the program. I don't know. I've forgotten now. I think I had five or six years, something like that, before I made my way out to family worship center and and started hearing the message of the gospel through John and the stuff that we were doing back then, but I, what opened that door for me was that experience in the 12-step program of receiving, of making those amends and receiving forgiveness so that I had forgiveness to give. Just one more thing, and i am shut up, the spirituality of imperfection. He actually talks about a research project that was done on people who had done night steps and what it was like and asked them, when did they experience forgiving themselves? And the answer was, they didn't know when that had happened, mm-hmm. that it it's really cool. Cause I mean, I like the concept of a research project because that's more concrete, but um that, that as they receive the forgiveness, as they ask for and made their amends and receive the forgiveness of other people, then the forgiving themselves happened, and they don't even know when, where, or how. I just, I love yeah.
0: it. I, I like, you know, like, the idea of making.
2: One more thing, because John mentioned it. Yeah. That's where the promises are. Is that step nine? After step nine, right? And before you are halfway through, you are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. You will not regret the past or wish to shut the door on. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Thanks.
0: Yeah, what page is that on?
2: I think it's eighty.
0: You want to read them all?
2: You want me to read it too? Sure. Yes. Nothing I need to do um okay so september so 80 70 let me find it um eight and nine ah page 83 i was close yeah it says i love this i love this page 83 i was close yeah it says, I love this. I love this. Listen to this. Yes. If we are painstaking taking about this phase of our development, early, early, early in the big book, it tells us half-measures avail us nothing, zilch, zero, nada, nothing. It says, <laughs> if we are pains taking that means it's going to hurt okay if we are painstaking about this phase of our development we will be amazed before we are halfway through we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness we will not regress the past nor wish to shut the door on it we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will, my next favorite word, always, always materialize if we work for them. Now, when we read this in a meeting, when they say, Are these extravagant promises? It's like a recited reading in church. I can't remember what it's called, but everybody in the whole room says, we think not. And then they (laughs) say, they're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. And the whole room goes, work, work, work. (laughs) Yeah. I love my 12-step program. All right. Well, yeah. I, Thank
0: you. No, I like those promises and it reminds me yeah. and I like what you said about um, in step 9 about the apologize part. Yeah. It reminds me that I had there was a um, <clears throat> vice principal of our school and instead of punishing the kids what he started to do for especially the kids that were disrupting right as the kid was sitting in his office, he'd call the teacher and say, Listen, I got, you know, I got John Glenn here in my office. You know, how much just give me a ballpark figure of how much time he wasted for you in class? The teacher would say, I don't know, 10 minutes, whatever. He goes, Well, he's gonna give those minutes back to you. He's gonna either grade papers for you, clean your room, he's gonna do something so that you have those 10 minutes back. And it was – that's more of a memento. That's more of fixing it, right? So I started kind of doing some of that with my kids. And I remember my oldest daughter once said, why don't you just punish me? <laughs> right? You just
2: spank me and give it Right?
0: Out. Just punish me because I said, well, you're going to have to – you know, whatever it was, you're going to have to do this to make up for it. Maybe you can – and, there, you know, there was – ideas that I had, like some practical consequences, but really a way to make amends. not just say you're sorry, but not just get punished because you punish people and then they're just still mad, nothing gets resolved. So I love the idea of fixing everything. right, John?
1: That's the uh, concept is known as restorative justice. Yeah, in other words, Punitive justice just punishes them. Restorative justice restores not only the perpetrator, but also the people who are their victims. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a whole whole application there, really, that nine is about, you know. It's, yeah, there's a lot of the responsi- step. yeah, there's a
0: lot of personal responsibility. Yeah, there's a lot of personal responsibility in that rather than just getting punished there's you gotta really own your stuff (laughs) right so now
1: you gotta yeah now you gotta do something you know yeah (laughs) it's not just talk now you gotta do yeah yeah i like what you, you said about i like what you said about the you know the the whole idea of those promises of step nine you know I know everybody's read the big book in the group. They're going to say, you know, are these promises extravagant? We think not. I know they understand that, but the <laughs> problem is they think they're extravagant. They think they're too good to be true. They're thinking that, you know, they can't can't achieve that. But what they don't realize, and I think this is the oh, important turning that down, they don't realize is the power behind that comes from the spirit. In other words, you know, to them, you know, to the founders, they were relying on that one phrase, God has begun to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's where the power is coming from. You know, it's not them changing themselves, it's God changing them and God empowering them to actually love others. You know, I've seen this repeatedly in the office series. You know, I have people that will take the Alpha series over and over and over again. Well, there's nothing wrong with that while well, they're trying to learn, because I understand it's pretty complex uh, and different uh, concepts in the office series. But after a while, I begin to see these same people taking the office series over and over again are still trying to learn that they're okay. And the reason they're taking it over and over again is because they're not out teaching it to somebody else. You know. When I see them take the alpha series and teach it to somebody else, and I say, Oh, they got it, you know. But until then, now they're just repeatedly trying to understand it for themselves. And that's kind of where the 12
0: stuff. And I know I know in I know in that when I started teaching it, I learned even more about it, I was really yeah. teaching myself. You know, I was learning. Yeah, yeah, and that's where it is.
1: Well. You're gonna learn them. There's no, you don't have a choice. You know, you're gonna practice them because you're teaching them. And yeah, that's that's where the power comes from. If people just take that little bitty step of faith, and go out and, like you said, sponsor someone, Pam, or or seek to carry that news to someone else. That's where the power is going to come from. That's why we're here, you know. That's the meaning and purpose of our lives here. So, you know, it's not only powerful but it's exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean, I I love the compatibility of the two of the Alpha series and the Twelve Steps, and you know, the whole Journey to Freedom program, and you know, for people that are listening, um, and this is your first time hearing. Um, about any of this you can always you can contact um John Pam in the emails in the show notes and things um, want the audience to know that that they're that you're available that we're available to to lead them in the right direction so Pam you still you still go to meetings right
2: absolutely
0: right. So, you know, because I've heard... My
2: group is the Wednesday noon women's meeting and Fellowship Hall and Stuart, if anybody wants to find me. I will be sitting in the front. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, when you mentioned the girl that, you know, she didn't want to be a sponsor, but she did other types of service work. Um, I often remember uh, guys that would... Uh, for a long time, the next step center that they taught the steps, but they wanted them to come to um, over to our place on Canner highway. And we taught them the alpha series. Um, I noticed there was one, one guy who just did like, he wanted to go, he would make the coffee, he would clean up afterwards. And One time, I said to him, "I said, you know, I'll I'll get this. You know, you could, you guys could, you could take off because you know everybody was walking out to have smokes or whatever." He goes, "No, because this is part of my recovery, because this is part of my service work." So he did the coffee every night, set it up, and then broke it down and washed, you know, through all this, washed everything.
2: Well, and one of the things that I think is really important to understand in that kind of thing is that a lot of times it, it may not be sponsorship, but a lot of times some of the best conversation and ministry goes on around the coffee pot. Uh The person who's actually making coffee, you're less threatening. Okay. And Uh people will come up and, they'll have, they'll be getting a cup of coffee so you know in and, and, and talk to you during so it it, it doesn't Yeah that
0: make, they call it the smoke, it's smoke
2: pit right <laughs> a rigid box type of thing but yeah. again i just can't stress enough the power of reading the big book with a newcomer in going through the steps with them. I'm sorry, a coffee pot experience isn't going to match that. But it it, it doesn't negate the coffee pot experience either.
0: Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.